0: Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. All witnesses, persons of interest, and or suspects are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This is Method and Madness, Justice for Armani Morgan. I'm your host, Dawn Gandhi. Today's case takes us to Dallas, Texas, where on June 3rd, 2017, 27-year-old Armani Morgan abruptly disappeared near the apartment building where he lived. And then, seven weeks later, on July 24th, Armani's decomposed remains were found not far from the home he shared with his mother. Before we begin, just a few notes Armani is identified in the few articles available online as a transgender female. I double checked with family members and they confirmed that Armani's pronouns are he, him. Armani's case is not an open homicide investigation, but his family is pushing for it to be. There are suspicious circumstances surrounding his death, including events that led up to his disappearance and deserve a second look. Armani's family initially reached out to my friends over at Uncovered.com, a database of more than 200,000 cold cases. In turn, I was asked if I'd cover Armani's story. You know what they say, someone knows something, and hopefully this will encourage someone to come forward. The family has documented a timeline of events, including three incidents where they say Armani was assaulted by three of his acquaintances. Those three individuals will be referred to in this podcast as female one, male one, and male two. Today, I am honored to speak with one of Armani's advocates, his aunt, Robin Johnson. She is fighting for justice. It's people that,
1: no doubt in my mind, that have wanted to come forward, just hasn't done it. Yes. And I'm hoping that if they see this on social media, that they will be willing to come forward. That's, That's my hope.
0: Let's dive in.
1: My name is Robin Johnson. I'm the aunt of Armani Dante Morgan. I have a lot that's driving me, that that continues my fight for justice.
0: Armani Dante Morgan was born on December 19th, 1989, and raised by a single mother, Euretta Morgan. While raising him alone, she also worked full-time as a home health aide. Armani didn't have a relationship with his biological father. He was very close with his Aunt Robin, and her two daughters, which were more like sisters to him than cousins. My nephew <laughs>
1: was a bubbly person, and he wanted everybody around him to always be happy and be in a good mood and keep a smile on their face. He was always the life of the party. When he entered the, entered the room, you know, he, he wanted every, the atmosphere to be a happy place to be. Armani was an only child. And uh, he was also the first grandchild that was a male in the family because our family is dominated by women, and once he was born it w- it it was a totally different atmosphere you know in the family, even from a little child growing up and uh, he had to grow up being a latchkey kid, you know because his mom worked all the time in the home health field, and uh, he would go to school and go home and it, it it lasted for a pretty good while until He fell into a group with children that also were latchkey kids and were doing other things. So it started out when he was in the sixth grade, you know, and he wanted to be around these people
0: who he considered his friends. Robin doesn't shy away from the truth about her nephew, that Armani didn't live a perfect life. He had an arrest record, used drugs, and lived in an impoverished neighborhood in a low-income apartment complex with his mom. As a young child, he began hanging out with kids that may not have had the best influence on him. Armani started skipping school. When he was about middle school age, Robin would show up to his classes to ensure he was there. She admits it embarrassed her nephew, but she was intent on ensuring he got a proper education. Eventually, though, Armani ended up in a juvenile facility due to truancy. Afterward, he decided to leave school altogether. And I
1: think he was looking for love in all the wrong places because he didn't have his father in his life. But prior to my dad passing, you know, he was the only father figure in Armani's life. And but once he, he passed away in 99, you know, Ar- Armani felt it, you know, and just never expressed it to us.
0: Robin believes that Armani's death has not been investigated properly due to several factors. First, there was his drug and criminal history, and Armani was a gay black male who occasionally dressed in clothes culturally associated with women. Now, let's take a look at those events that occurred in the weeks before Armani disappeared. Here, Robin talks about one of the attacks Initiated, she says, by Female One. This all began the week of May 22nd. Armani,
1: that was the first violent assault by one of the three perpetrators. And he was relentlessly pursued because this particular perpetrator knew Armani's habits and places that he would visit in his whereabouts because this was a circle of people that all would hang out together. So this particular perpetrator and her two teenage sons tracked money down May 27 and assaulted him at a public place. It's a strip mall where they had a barbecue place and a tobacco shop and other little places. So they encountered him in the parking lot and assaulted him. And there was that bystanders that witnessed it, uh, and that's how we found out about it, after May 31st. And May 31st was the second violent assault by this particular perpetrator.
0: Robin says that additionally, in May of 2017, female one had made several calls to Armani's landline, harassing him and attempting to lure him outside of his apartment for some kind of confrontation over money. These are the details that Robin told me. On May 31st, around 5 p.m., Armani was at home, relaxing on his living room couch and watching TV. Suddenly, he was startled by a loud, abrupt sound. He got up and saw broken glass on the floor and a hole in the living room window. A bullet had pierced through his second-floor window. Armani's mother in a back bedroom heard it, too, She came out in a panic, and both she and her son made their way out of their apartment. A call to the police was made. While waiting for the officers to respond, Armani's mother went to the apartment complex office to see if she could obtain any surveillance footage that would assist in identifying the shooter. No footage was available. Meanwhile, Robin says that Armani was approached by female one right outside of the apartment. I was provided with brief video footage of this incident. It's 21 seconds long, taken from a cell phone. You can see Armani surrounded by three individuals. He is seen being punched as he tries to defend himself and he steps backward. He's then hit on the left side of his head, and the force sends him to the ground before the video ends. The perpetrators fled the scene in a vehicle before police arrived. Now, this video footage was posted on social media shortly after the event by the attacker's friend and was allegedly the second of three violent assaults against Armani in a short amount of time. An officer did respond to the initial call regarding the gunshot through the window and a report was made. I obtained the police report, which states that the offense was deadly conduct and the discharge of a firearm. In the comments, it was said that a possible known suspect fired a single round through the complainant's window. Under the narrative portion of that report, it said, quote, on listed date and time, unknown suspect fired a single shot into complainant's apartment. Notice anything odd about the information on the report? We'll get back to that. Also noted was the window damage and glass debris in front of the window on the inside of the home. Evidence seized was a fired bullet that was placed in the Dallas Police Department property room. And then, on June 3, 2017, Armani was allegedly assaulted again by female 1 and male 2. Afterward, he visited the home of two women that lived in his apartment complex, They were friends of his. This was the last known time that Armani was seen alive. Armani Morgan had abruptly disappeared, and his cousin, Robin's daughter, started asking around, wondering where he was. She knew who to check with and where he spent his time, but it turned up nothing. A call to law enforcement, Robin says, was shrugged off. The police said that Armani's an adult and free to come and go as he pleases. Armani's cousin then turned to NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. They suggested a call to law enforcement. It seemed futile.
1: Because she started looking, searching for Armani on her own without telling any of us. She knew he was missing because they talked every day. And like I said, she was a protector, you know, of of him. And uh, when things would happen to him, he would call her before he would seek protection for himself. She would, would always help him make the right decision, you know, about which way to go. And if he was harmed physically, she would get him straight, you know, get him medical attention right away.
0: Nobody knew where Armani was. Nobody had heard from him, and he didn't come back home. The following month, it was mid-afternoon on July 24th, 2017, and as temperatures were reaching the low 90s and the Texas sun was beating down, a 911 call was placed. A motorist had found a human skull lying on the side of Wilhurt Avenue, a residential area not far from Armani's home.
1: So one of the residents that lived in the dead end portion of that street, because it was a dead end street, was leaving his residence going to the stop sign at the end of that street, residential street. And he was the one that saw the human remains and called 911. So had it not been for that, we would have never known. And we didn't learn about Armani's remains being found from law enforcement. We learned about his remains being found from a young lady whose name was in Armani's purse, a name and phone number. And the initial lead homicide detective contacted her. And once he finished his interview with her, she contacted her sister.
0: The family found out through word of mouth that some remains, bones, had been found in a vacant field near Armani's apartment complex. Nearby was a purse, and inside, a phone number on a piece of paper. That number was dialed and eventually led back to Armani's family members. The clothing he was last seen wearing was strewn about that field, and a specific hairbrush that he used was found embedded in the soil underneath a nearby bush. There was nothing identifiable about the remains.
1: Because even though only six of his bones were found, Don, only six, and there was no way to immediately determine that it was him, other than the purse being there and the clothes that he was last seen wearing were strolled about the vacant field. So that's how we knew that it was him.
0: Let's take a break.
2: Greetings from the bluegrass state. That's Kentucky, if y'all didn't know. We want to tell you about the hottest new podcast on the block, Coffee and Cases. If you fancy yourself an at-home detective. If you find yourself yelling at the TV during that new true crime documentary. Then you, my friend, are a certified sleuthhound, Just like us. On Coffee and Cases podcast, you'll hear about the missing, the murdered, and the unsolved. But the cases you've rarely if ever, heard about. All from the perspective of two teacher friends, rule followers, and self-proclaimed scaredy cats. Join me, Allison. And me, Maggie. Each week as we take on cases that are often overlooked but are screaming for justice. Finally, a true crime podcast where you don't have to monitor the foul language. Coffee in Cases is a true crime guilty pleasure that you don't actually have to feel guilty about. Check out Coffee and Cases every Thursday for a new episode on your favorite podcasting app. To identify the remains
0: and confirm they were those of Varmani's, a DNA test was conducted, a swab taken from Euretta Morgan, and then there was that agonizing wait. The answers came in October. A forensics report dated October 24th, 2017, detailed the testing conducted on the discovered remains. Six bones were recovered, and through DNA testing, it was confirmed the remains were that of Armani Morgan. Detective White, who had been assigned the case and who was with the Homicide Division, informed Armani's mother and aunt that Armani had overdosed in the vacant field where his remains were eventually discovered. You've been in charge of this case 17 days. So within
1: 17 days, you can say, matter-of-factly, with six skeletonized bones that Armani committed, he OD'd underneath a tree. You know, where where? (laughs) and how? You know, he was always home alone. If he wanted to OD, why would he go to a vacant field and OD underneath a tree when he was always home alone? Because his mom was always working.
0: Due to the conditions of the remains and that much of them were missing, a cause of death could not be determined. The death certificate lists the cause of death as undetermined. Armani's loved ones are certain that, due to the circumstances before his disappearance, he was murdered.
1: So by the apartment complex being the last place where he was last seen alive, where he lived, the crime scene where his remains were found, only a few feet. So he was encountered, you know, shortly after leaving that apartment complex, or even while he was in the apartment complex now you know it remains to be you know known exactly how was he forced into you know a vehicle or was he forced somewhere or you know we just don't know how he ended up you know a few feet from where he lived
0: robin told me that it took 2 years for her to finally be able to speak with supervisory staff with the Dallas pd regarding the investigation While in that face to face meeting with the former chief of police, she addressed her concerns. The first was regarding the bullet that entered through the window of Armani's residence weeks before he had gone missing. Authorities said they didn't know where that piece of evidence was and told Robin that no bullet was ever recovered from the residence. However, Evidence photos obtained from the DPD Open Records Department show the bullet in their possession. Robin has requested forensic testing be done on the bullet to possibly identify the shooter. She repeatedly asked for updates.
1: (laughs) When I went to that meeting January the 2nd of 2020, and I was berated and belittled in that meeting, (laughs) and the, the... Supervisor at the time, who's no longer the supervisor of the homicide department, told me, Well, Dallas Police Department and the homicide division have wasted enough time and money on on our money, you know, and said it just matter of factly in that meeting. uh, And tears just began to roll down my face because I was just so angry.
0: While putting together this episode, I asked Robin about one of the discrepancies I saw in the report about the shooting that a possible suspect was listed by the name of Sabrina, yet the narrative information detailed on the report stated that the suspect was unknown. Where had the name Sabrina come from? It wasn't anyone that's on Robin's radar, and certainly not the person she believes was the shooter. Robin reached out to the Dallas PD recently to address this discrepancy and have it corrected, She was told that the family would have to obtain an attorney in order to refute an attempt to correct the misinformation. Additionally, the statute of limitation for the offense had expired on May 31, 2019, two years after the incident. This information gutted Robin. For two years, she said, the Dallas PD ignored her requests for forensic testing of the bullet, and now she was informed that it didn't matter anymore. Her time was up. But I have
1: to tell you, Don, for two years, I asked about that gun bullet. And the initially detective always told me, okay, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. And then after a year or so, he told me, well, no gun bullet was found. And I already had obtained. The photos of the police, the crime scene photos of the gun bullet being collected. So for me to continue to be told that there was no gun bullet collected, I was becoming frustrated. And so I reached out to the executive assistant, to the former Dallas police chief, Renee Hall. At that point, she was the police chief. So I reached out to her executive assistant and uh, submitted a, a written complaint and asked for a face-to-face meeting with the chief of police. And so this young lady eventually returned my email and said that I had to follow the chain of command, go through other officers before I was able to get a face-to-face meeting with the chief of police. So this went on for until June of 2019. I was actually able to get a face-to-face meeting with the assistant chief of police, who is also no longer at the Dallas Police Department, and I was telling him that we were constantly told that no bullet was collected, and I had screenshots (laughs) of the police evidence in my cell phone during this face-to-face meeting, and I said, I told him, I said, well, the initial detective continued to tell me that there was no gun bullet collected, so I pulled my cell phone and showed him, I said, well, if there was no gun bullet collected, then what is this? And the look that was on his face was priceless.
0: So what then? Now that Robin had presented the Dallas PD with photographic evidence that they had, in fact, taken the bullet into evidence, what happened? Did they admit to having it in their possession?
1: Eventually, not right away. Because in this same particular meeting in June of 2019, I asked the assistant chief of police at that time if he would... Agreed to have the gun bullet tested for DNA, possible biological DNA. And in that meeting, it was about seven to eight officers around this conference table, along with myself and my youngest daughter. And they all tried to tell me that once a gun bullet is fired from a gun, all of the biological DNA that may have been on that bullet is destroyed once it it releases from the chamber. but me with my research, I went online in this one particular officer in another state. It's called the Bardol method, Bardole method, B A R D O L E, where DNA can be extracted from a gun bullet although it has been discharged from a gun.
0: The Bardole method was developed by Francis Bardole of the West Jordan, Utah PD and can be used to effectively obtain DNA from smaller items of evidence such as shell casings, bullets, or jewelry. As you can see, Robin does her homework. As the family's representative, she believes that for every no she receives, there is a yes right around the corner. She fights every day against what she says is a lack of effort on the part of the Dallas PD homicide division and cold case detectives
1: for the most part he he was a good person, good-hearted person and what i don't understand for the life of me all of the individuals that visited their facebook timelines and say that how much they loved and cared about him and they were friends i don't understand why no one has come forward with the vital information prior to now to get this investigation not headed in the right direction versus it being at a standstill.
0: Robin has reached out to Dallas DA John Crusoe, asking him to hold DPD and cold case detectives responsible for their lack of due diligence in actively pursuing and investigating Armani's case. In a message sent by the DA's assistant, Robin was informed that there was nothing that could be done.
1: Another thing, too, is that the Texas Rangers cold case unit currently has Armani's cold case file, and they're performing an investigative review. But the unfortunate thing about that part of it, Don, is that this particular Texas Ranger who was assigned to perform an investigative review of Armani's case, he told me flat out in no uncertain terms that his Texas Rangers' duties come before him actually looking into Armani's case.
0: Let's review. In total, Robin said that Armani had been violently assaulted by these three different perpetrators, each with an extensive criminal history. Male 1 was known to threaten people with a machete. Armani was last seen immediately following the final assault, harassing phone calls from female 1 persisted even after Armani's death. Male two is now deceased. Male one is currently incarcerated for unrelated crimes. Robin continues to plead with law enforcement to look further.
1: But we love him, we miss him, and the the ironic thing about it is Armani shares a birthday with my oldest daughter which makes it so much harder, you know, because when her birthday and his birthday rolls around, you know, we celebrate one and we're missing one, you know. So that part of it just, you know, is just, it's it's mind-blowing.
0: Here is today's call to action. If you have any firsthand information, please contact the Dallas Police Department's Special Investigation Unit at 214 671 3677. You may also contact the family with any tips via email at angelsarmanis797 at gmail.com. Or you can help Armani's family by simply sharing his story on social media or by telling a friend to check out the podcast. Check the show notes for more information. Thank you to Robin Johnson for sharing your story. Thank you for listening to this episode of Method and Madness. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect, I'm on Twitter at MethodPod and on Instagram at Method and MethodAndMadnessPod. To chat, suggest a case, or discuss the episode, reach out to me at MethodAndMadnessPod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is research, written, and hosted by me. It is sound edited by Mo Inspo. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text HELLO to 741-741.